I've read these verses so many times, but the Holy Spirit refreshed my mind and spoke to my soul again as I read them this past week. The disciples, it seems, struggled with a particular kind of difficulty, even in the midst of ministry from the Master. It was the Lord speaking to them. And the problem that they struggled with from time to time was being able to pay attention to what the Lord was saying. I think that it was a problem reflected through the Gospels, not just in this particular text, but several others that we'll identify together. Even when the Master was ministering, they missed the message. And also at an occasion just prior to Jesus going to the cross, speaking to his disciples concerning the events that would take place, an audible voice from heaven came. Some said it thundered. Others said an angel has spoken. But they missed the message. They did not discern, understand, or profit from the word of the Lord. Numbers of people last week, both young and old, some at the retreat and some at the altar, received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that it's necessary that there be continuing, ongoing, practical ministry that take place following that experience. That it is an initial opening of a brand new room of opportunity to walk through. It is not the climax of our Christian experience, but it is in fact the opening of a brand new realm of operation and does in fact have very practical purposes for our lives. I'm persuaded this morning that some of those practical purposes can be outlined this way. That it is to affect our head. It should affect our heart and affect our hands. We should think differently since being filled with the Holy Spirit. We should feel differently since we have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and our actions then carry a new dimension of power and ministry not available apart from the Holy Spirit of God. These things, Jesus said, that I have done, you shall do also, and even greater things than these shall you do. So let's consider the apostolic problem and perhaps... Have God help us with the same as well. The first few verses. Acts chapter 1, the former treatise, Have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up. After that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, 
and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he saith, Ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Now the natural train of thought you would think following that statement of Jesus would be, tell us more, Lord. He's opening to them a brand new dimension of the church. The Gospels are closing, and the life and ministry of the Lord, at its very end, from this point, he will ascend to heaven. And this is his last opportunity. This is his departing speech. He will not have occasion again to address them face to face. What he has to say at this moment is very significant and very important. He's saying to them that something totally brand new is about to break upon the face of the earth. The Holy Spirit will be outpoured upon all flesh, fulfilling prophecy. And you would think that the Master ministering to them, never a man spake like this man. He spoke not as the scribes or Pharisees, but one as one having authority. That they would be paying attention. They would be listening to every word that he had to say. But when you follow the text, verse 6, they ask him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not given to you to know times and seasons. That's in the Father's hands. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. It would be like you knowing that you had one opportunity to speak with your family. And you gather the family around and share with them the fact that this will be the last occasion that they will hear you speak to them. And you're pouring out all of your philosophy of life and instructing them what they should do at this moment. And they look up to you and say, how about those Mets? Who do you think will win the World Series? And he returns to the subject and said, don't be bothered about that. It's not given to you to know the times or the seasons, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the uttermost part of the earth. They missed the message. They weren't paying attention. There was some preconception, predisposition in their mind about a kingdom that would be set up and that somehow maybe at this point in time Jerusalem might become the center of all political, economic, and military power and they might inherit places in the kingdom. They missed the message of the Lord. 
Can I say to you that one of the practical values of being filled with the Spirit is that we begin to think the thoughts of the Lord. And the fact that this is supernatural. I'm sure you've read from Isaiah chapter 55 that states, For my ways are not your ways, saith the Lord, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so far are my ways from your ways and my thoughts from your thoughts. There is a great disparity between the thoughts of God and the thoughts of men, the plans of God and the plans of men, the strategies of God and the strategies of men. For there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. And we need somehow to narrow the gap and we need not labor the point of how many light years it is between here and the sun but that's just how far the disparity between your thoughts and God's except for the Holy Spirit I'm glad that it's possible for us this morning that we can obey the scripture that says let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus Amen? And that we can be carnally minded or we can be spiritually minded. Romans says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We can think the thoughts of God. And can I suggest to you, only after we begin to think the thoughts of God can we start to feel the feelings of God. And for me as a pastor to try to generate the feelings of God without your thinking the thoughts of God is impossible because feelings follow thoughts. Your emotions follow your meditations. Your emotions are predicated upon your meditation. And if the Holy Spirit can help us think the thoughts of God, what do you think he's thinking about? What do you think God is thinking about? What do you think's on the mind of the Lord today? The world? The lostness of the condition of this world? Those who are dying away from Him, needing redemption? What do you think God feels today? If you're thinking the thoughts of God, I think I would be fairly close to being accurate if I said your heart is broken and there is a love that constrains you similar to the one that constrained the, the Apostle Paul to be about your father's business. And then the hands of God. Once we are motivated emotionally, we've got to do something with it. And we attempt great things for God because we serve a great God and greater things than these, he said, shall you do. But I think that it begins where our meditations are. If we, by the Spirit, can have the mind of Christ, if we can think as God is thinking, we will begin to feel as God is feeling and we will be motivated into areas where we will see God work through our lives. I don't think we can bypass one or the other. Those of you 
filled with the Spirit last weekend, I believe He wants to do exactly that in you on a daily basis, that you would have His mind not be conformed to this world, squeezed into its wool, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And as far distant as that is from heaven to earth, that distance can be spanned by the Spirit so that we can receive the thoughts of God. If you would agree, say amen. But the disciples missed the message. It seemed to be a consistent problem. Turn back to Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, and look with me from verse... 32. Mark 10, 32. They came in the way going to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them things that should happen to him saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests, unto the scribes. They shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. They shall mock him, scourge him, spit upon him, kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. And you would imagine that following his train of thought, they would feel with him. But because they weren't thinking with him, they weren't feeling with him. Look at the next verse. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Master, we would that you should do for us whatever we desire. And he said, what is it? You desire. Can you imagine this? I feel sorry for Jesus. He's pouring out his heart to the twelve. A very clear prophecy. Nothing very difficult about what Jesus is saying. I'm going to Jerusalem. They're going to deliver me into the hands of the chief priests and the scribes. They will deliver me into the hands of the Gentiles. I'm going to be scourged. I'm going to be sped upon. How accurate the prophecies of Jesus were fulfilled in just a few hours. Just a few hours. And they're going to deliver me up to death. And after I'm dead, I will raise from the dead. Now that's some dynamic stuff. But they missed the message. No wonder they were confused when it all happened. They scattered and fled. They had missed it. Not because they hadn't been told, but because they weren't listening. It would be like you gathering your family together as the head of the house and setting all the kids down and saying, Now, I've just come from the doctor. He's diagnosed me as being terminal. I've got terminal cancer. I'm going to go to the hospital and they're going to operate on me, but I'm not going to make it. They give me absolutely no hope of survival. 
and one of the kids pipe up and say, can I have the car next week? And your second would say, I get it next week. That's kind of what was happening with Jesus here in this, in this passage. He was saying, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be delivered into the hands of evil men and I'm going to be spat upon and scourged and I'm going to die. Can I sit on the right hand of power? I'd like to have the left hand of power. You see, they weren't thinking with Jesus, so they weren't feeling with Jesus. Wait here in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. The Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. A brand new dimension of church life is going to burst on church history. And they said, who's going to be in charge of the government? We'll now be the time you restore the kingdom to Israel. You see, I believe as far as the earth is from the heavens, so far are God's thoughts from man's thoughts. God's ways from our ways. And what we were describing in the lives of the disciples is still a common problem today. It's impossible for us. The natural man, finish it, cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them, for they are what? They are spiritually discerned. We need the Holy Spirit to help us bridge the gap from heaven to earth and begin to be able to think God's thoughts. And we're never going to motivate the church with God's feelings until we are thinking with Him. We're not going to be feeling with Him. We're not going to understand what he's saying. Then in the Gospel of John, a little later on, they understood. They appreciated the fact that, or rather it's Luke, I think, Luke 24. Luke 24 and I just want to have you find it and mark it because they go together. First six verses or so. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, there came to the sepulcher bringing spices, which they had prepared certain others with them. They found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus came to pass when they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid, bowed down their faces to the earth. They said to them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember, underscore that, how he spake unto you when he was yet with you in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day raised again. And they remembered his words. But he's already risen, but they're bringing spices to anoint his body. They remembered his saying something about that, but it had never really gotten inside their heart. They hadn't digested it. They weren't prepared for it. 
when the angel said, don't you remember he spoke to you about this? He was very specific about how long it would be. But you weren't listening. I told a story of two psychiatrists occupying the same building, an older one and a younger one. And at the end of the day, they met each other in the hall, and the young psychiatrist was all disheveled. His tie was pulled aside, collar was open, his hair was all messed up. But the older psychiatrist came out looking like he had just prepared for the day. The young man looked at the older one and said, How is it? We've both listened to the same struggles and problems all day long. I'm a wreck and you look great. What's your secret? He said, I don't listen. I don't listen. You know, I wonder sometimes when we come to church if we really are listening to hear the voice of God. Or if all we hear is the natural sound, because that's what is mentioned in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 23 through 27. The Lord is speaking to the same group of men about the same situation. Verse 23, Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come, the Son of Man shall be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Compare the philosophy of Jesus to the prevailing thoughts of the day. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hated his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, let him, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. What for this hour came I into this world? Father, glorify thy name. He stopped talking to the disciples and breathed the prayer to God. Father, glorify thy name. Then came a voice from heaven, audible voice, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by heard it, said that it thundered, others an angel spake to him. But Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sake. He said, I didn't need to hear an audible voice from God, but you did. Some only thought it thundered. They didn't get the message. An audible voice from God. Naturalist. That have a natural explanation for everything that happens. Let me suggest to you some of the things you attribute to nature has been God speaking to your life this week. If you were only had the capacity to understand what he was saying. There is more going on in your life than thunder. God has been speaking to you. 
amidst the natural circumstances of your circumstance this week, I believe there's more than just thunder. But if we don't have an ear to hear, it just sounds like thunder. It just looks like natural events. How many are persuaded with me that all things work together for good to them that love God? He is at work in our lives, and I believe he communicates sometimes through circumstances. Thunder. Naturalists. That all, there's nothing supernatural. Everything's just explained as being routine. Then there are the mystics. The angel, there's an angel that spoke. And they're just as wrong as the naturalists. You can't give a spiritual meaning to everything that happens. How many know sometimes it's just the pizza before you went to bed? And there are natural explanations for some functions. But the voice of God being heard, uplifting the Lord, speaking of Satan being defeated in Calvary and the power of Calvary. Clear message from the Lord, but they missed it. And I'm persuaded there are times that we're feeling the way we do because we're thinking the way we do. And we're acting the way we do because we feel the way we do. And there's a chain reaction here that I trust the Holy Spirit will help us to start thinking the thoughts of Jesus. And when we start thinking his thoughts, we're going to start feeling his feelings. And as we are motivated by his love and his feelings, we're going to do his works. It will affect our head. It will affect our heart. And it will affect our hands. This Holy Spirit experience is not just a denominational uh, category. But I get it's the key to successful and effective Christian service. If you believe that, would you say amen with me? Hallelujah. Let this mind be in you. Holy Spirit, give us your strategy. Oh, I'm persuaded, church. If we thought the way God thinks, we would try some things that seem strange to the world's way of thinking. And to illustrate this, it comes to my mind of Naaman, who was a leper. And he got the message that somehow there was someone back in Israel who could bring cure to his incurable disease. So he decided he would go to the prophet's house. And when he arrived and knocked at the door, the prophet sent a servant out to answer the door and said to him, You go down, jump in the creek, and dip yourselves seven times. And the man got so mad, turned his chariot around, said, Behold, I thought, that's the problem right there. Behold, I thought he would come out, strike his hand on my disease, call upon his God, and I would be healed. Preconceived idea of how it was going to work. 
But you see, the prophet was thinking God's thoughts. The prophet knew what God wanted to do, and he said to him, Go jump in the lake. Do it seven times. Thank God he had a friend that said, If he asked you to do something tough, you would have done it. He's asking you to do something simple. And he grumbled, We've got cleaner streams back in my country. Why should I go dip in this muddy water? But when he obeyed God's strategy, the seventh time he came up clean as a baby, totally healed of an impossible, incurable disease. Behold, I thought, the strategies of God, I believe, are far different than the strategies of man. I think too many of things of what we're trying to do, we're aping the world and we're doing it man's way and we're, we're employing their strategies and we're using their wisdoms. I think if we were in tune with the Spirit of God, we would see creative, innovative things to do that would succeed. Things that would be works of God because we have been invested with the mind of God. Wednesday nights we've been talking to the class about 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and the operation of the word of wisdom and word of knowledge and they are simply God giving bits of his omniscience to us for that moment. That's exciting to me. Having nothing to do with IQ or schooling or ability or background, but only having to do with the operation of God who will take a bit of his omniscience and give it to the body to edify it at that moment for that particular need. Thinking the thoughts of God. He can give us those thoughts. He can invest in us that ability. Who would have thought to tell this big, famous general to go dip in the river? The Lord. How about you? What are you thinking about? Depending on what you're feeling about, thinking about, I'm telling you what you're feeling. Because that follows very closely on the heels of meditation. And then whatever motivates you, you're moving in the direction to do what you're motivated to do. Oh God, let the mind of Christ, let me think with you. Let me feel with you. Let me work with you. Father, take this piece of bread this morning and nourish us with it. Help us, Lord, that we would seek the face of God and that we would be open to the strategies of the Spirit of God. And we look back over history and we see 
those who had the word were not prepared when Jesus came the first time. Oh, they could quote the prophets. They could tell the king where he was to be born, what city he would be born in. But they didn't go and discover him. These disciples were not really ready understanding the great visitation that was about to take place. And Lord, you're coming. I wonder, we who have all the prophecies and we've seen all the signs, the Jews returning to Jerusalem and the outpouring of the Spirit and perilous times that have come and all of those prophecies that have been fulfilled in our generation. I wonder if we're any more prepared for the coming of Jesus than the generation to whom he came the first time. If it's affected our lifestyle or our way of doing things, I pray that somehow the Spirit of God will have access to our thoughts. That we be thinking with Him, feeling with Him, working with Him.